Regan. So glad to meet you. So nice to meet you guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so happy to have you on. Um, it's good to hear from you. Regan and I have been friends since college, and um, she is currently on this amazing adventure that I'm so excited to talk about today. Oh, I'm so excited to hear about it. I know very little about what it looks like to be on mission, like out in the world and not just mm. on mission in a parish or on mission in a community. So I'm thrilled to get to hear more about mm-hmm. your story. Yeah. Regan, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Yes. Hello. Uh, my name is Regan Mills and I'm 25 years old. I am a lay Catholic foreign missionary. Um, It's a lot of words to basically say. (laughs) I am living life in Taiwan. Currently, I'll be here for a year at a minimum, maybe several years. And um, the simplest thing is just preaching the gospel and serving the poor is what we do. Um, And I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I went to Catholic University with Elise. And I don't really know what else. I'm learning Chinese right now, so that's exciting. What what led you, Regan, to do family missions or to be on to be on mission as a lay foreign missionary? Um, what moved in your heart to draw you into the, oh, that radical life choice? Um, the simplest answer is ardently pursuing the will of God. But I know that that's complicated. So <laughs> I feel like that's the easiest answer is just to say I felt like it was God's will for me. Um, when I, in a nutshell, when I graduated college, I felt called to do a year of service in Syracuse, New York. And I served up there running a soup kitchen and a food pantry. Um, the year was very difficult, but very good. There was a lot of growth. Um, however, after the year was over, I discerned that I should move home for a year because I did have financial obligations with student loans, like many people. And, um, it was when I was in Syracuse that I really felt the whisper of a desire to be missionary, to be a missionary. And I argued with the Lord. I said, you know, this is impossible. I have so many student loans. I have obligations and responsibility. I can't just like throw it away on a whim. Um, So over the course of about two years, it really kind of snowballed and became its own thing. Um, I felt like the Lord was calling me to China specifically. Um, And so through all of this, I heard through friends about family missions company through my mom. And um, it was very funny the way things lined up. And I went for a come and see, which is kind of like five days of you see how their way of life is. I did that in August of 2014. But I knew it was going to be at least a year of waiting before I would enter because I was very burnt out um, mentally and emotionally from my year of service in Syracuse. So I know I, I needed time to recuperate. And like the Lord was just asking me to wait. And so I waited for a year. I waited tables and that was very humbling, just working as a waitress for a year. And then I entered um, intake, which is three months of formation this past August. And then I was sent out to mission in January. So I was sent out in January to Taiwan. Wow. So you've been in Taiwan for like just over three months now then? Just about three months. Wow. That's like just enough time to start really getting your feet under you most places. Has that been your experience being in a brand new country too? 
Um, that's funny that you asked that. I was on the phone with my mom today and I was like, well, we're still getting settled. And she's like, you're still getting settled? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> because, you know, we, we came here, we didn't have a place to live. So we had to find a house and it's a completely different culture. The language is different than obviously than English. We're speaking Chinese, it's Mandarin. And, um, just trying to learn the city, learn the island. I definitely feel more settled, but there's still so much that I am still figuring out. <laughs> so, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, <clears throat> you said you felt drawn to China. Like, what was that desire like? Why, um, why China? <clears throat> it was not my desire. <laughs> <laughs> Again, fought with the Lord. I said, I will do anything. I will go live in a mud hut in the middle of the Amazon and take a canoe. And I am not into nature. So I was like, I will do anything. I was kicking and screaming. But um, like I said, this was over the course of about two years. So I felt just surrendering to the Lord and just saying, you know what, Lord, like, you know, my heart, like your will be done. And I the desire that was not my own became my desire. Um, they have a place there called the little flower project. It's a nonprofit that's actually registered in Nebraska and they take in abandoned children who have severe medical disabilities and to be able to work with them. Um, and there's also a, like a crisis maternity home that I was interested in. So it was not so much, I did not want to go to China. It was more like, I felt like the Lord was calling me there and I was just agreeing to go. Mm-hmm. Um, can you describe family <clears throat> missions for us? Mm-hmm. Um, so as a company, I, you just want to know, like, what the company is founded on mm-hmm. or yeah. what, how it functions. Okay, Both. so it was, be great. Found about, um, it was founded about 20 years ago by a couple from Louisiana, Frank and Jeannie Summers. And they had gone out on mission by themselves in the 70s, and they did it for about 25 years or so. Oh, wow. Just kind of without any organization, because every place that they applied to would say, oh, you have kids, you know, you really can't do this. You have to be like a religious order or something along those lines. And so they decided in 1997 to start a company of for foreign missionaries who are lay people. So they encouraged singles and married people and um, their base is in Abbeville, Louisiana. So that's where I was for three months from August until, or no, September to December. And um, you just, yeah, you just live down there and you're like in community. Um, they're charismatic and very inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, so I don't really know what else to yeah, say. Yeah, so like company. what's your, what kind of work do they do? Do you guys do? Um, so the what they preach the gospel and serve the poor. It's really at the core of everything. So it's evangelization, um, going out. And I mean, obviously, it depends on the country. Um, but in some places, it just depends on what country you're in and what the community needs. So when you come to an, a mission post, um, you pray about it with your team. You pray about what ministries you'll be entering into and you serve where there is need. So if there's already like a women's Bible study, don't start up another women's Bible study. It's not trying to be competition. Um, so you see where there is a need and it just kind of depends like certain places they do Bible studies or they'll do K 
catechesis or RCIA classes. Um, here in Taiwan, it's a little bit different. We are actually working at a college campus. So we do an international English mass and we do faith sharing um, and just meeting the students where they are and just sharing the love of Christ is really the goal. That's really interesting because there's so much need on college campuses, even in the U.S. for good ministry like that. So I can only imagine being on a campus in Taiwan, just how just how much of a, a thirst there is for more and for knowing knowing mm-hmm. what else is out there because, you know, it's not a society where they've been exposed to even the ideas often of, of the Christian life. Yes, that's something we're definitely struggling with. It's one thing in America, which is a Christianized nation, people know the name of Jesus. Here, that is not the case. There are many people who have never heard the name of Jesus. You're competing with Chinese culture. Um, They have gods for many different things. There's temples along the streets, you know, incense and parades and fruit offerings. So you're not fighting against somebody who knows who's heard the story of Jesus and just refusing to believe these people like have, it's like starting from scratch essentially. Mm. So how large is your team that's with you there? We have two teams. There's a girls team and a guys team. Um, There's four of us on the girls team and there's two guys. So there's six of us total here in Taiwan. Oh, wow. Nice. Mm -hmm. And do you guys basically, do you live in a house together? Do you do a lot of your work together? Like, how is it structured? We, um, the girls have our own house, and then the boys have an apartment, which is a little bit farther away. They live in another college community. We all work at Providence University. Um, We do a lot of stuff together. So we have community prayer together several days a week as like the whole team. Um, The girls team, we have prayer together either as a larger community or just as the girls team every single day. Um, We do our ministries together. We have Chinese class together and we're all Americans. So we just draw near each other because we are already (laughs) basically built in friends and it's really mentally draining. We're trying to find other people here and making friends is kind of like a ministry, but it can be very Mm. mentally draining. Oh, I can imagine. Making friends is hard, I feel like, in any city. Even if you're not living in community and working in a regular nine-to-five. I'm sorry, my allergies are clogging me up. Um, Making friends can be challenging, even when you're living in a you know, an American city on a regular nine-to-five or an international city that you know, you speak the language or all of those things that, you know, should be easier as, you know, make it easier to make friends. It's still a challenge, I feel like, for people in a new city. Mm -hmm. So you have an extra added uh, level of trying to build relationship with people. It's Mm -hmm. so, so incredible that you're branching out like that. What's such a brave, (laughs) such a brave thing to do. I know, Regan. I'm just totally blown away listening to you right now. It's amazing. Um, would you mind taking us through a day in the life of Regan? That'd be yes. exciting to hear. Yeah, like how does the community <laughs> prayer fit in? What are mm-hmm. what are you doing on campus? That'd be so awesome to hear. Sure. 
Um, I will give you kind of a general rundown because some days are lighter than others, Mm. um, depending on our class schedule and what days we have ministry and things like that. Um, A typical Wednesday schedule, I'm trying to think of what we do. I have class, Chinese class from 10 to 12 a.m. I mean, we have 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then I have an hour break for lunch. Then I have another hour and 40 minutes of Chinese in the afternoon. Then I have about a two-hour break. Then we have the International English Mass at 5.15 on Wednesday nights. And so we help to prepare that. You have to get the PowerPoint ready with all the songs and getting people there and things like that. And then afterwards, we have fellowship together. We'll have dinner together. And normally after that, the girls' team, we do night prayer together. Um, that's a Wednesday. Some days are a little bit lighter. Um, the community prayer just kind of depends on what's happening that day. Sometimes we have it in the morning. Sometimes we have it at night. We do the liturgy of the hours or we'll do family style with the Bible, um, which is just kind of like somebody will read the gospel and then we just share on it. Um, sometimes we pray the rosary. Um, but life and missions, I was talking with a couple other missionaries and it's it's just life. It's not like I talk to my family at home and I'm like, you know, I didn't really do anything that epic. I drank <laughs> coffee and did my laundry today or I sent a few emails. Um, it's just, they want it to be sustainable. So it's just essentially mm. just living life in a different part of the world. It's not like go, 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 go. Cause if that were the case, you would burn yourself out and there's no way you'd be able to do this long-term. That's so interesting. Yeah. I guess I thought you would be like tending to the poor on the street every day, you know, which is, and I I could imagine that being really, really draining. So that's amazing and really smart that they structure it that way. That seems really integrated, you know, into your life that it's not, um, you are a lay missionary, you know, Mm -hmm. that you have days on and days off. And it's interesting to me because by integrating into the community, you, it, a lot of the concerns that we as Americans would have, like thinking about what it means to be a missionary with the like sort of, you know, colonial aspect that's been handed down here in the U.S. Like, it's so interesting to hear how the deep respect for the people and the culture and the society that you're living in, like it's such mm-hmm. a different way to understand evangelization in the modern world, which is really inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and our post is... Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, our post is a little bit different, too. This is the first time they've ever been in Taiwan, but I am on a team with people. Normally, in the past, the posts that we go to are very, very poor. And I had a, I have a girl on my team who was in Calcutta last year, and she did tend to the poor and the dying every day. Um or there's like another guy on our team who lived in Ecuador and it was the same thing. Very, very poor community. Taiwan is kind of like America, but also very different. People are still bring trash in the streets and we have roosters next door to us that are <laughs> constantly so annoying. But um, Taiwan's a modern yeah. city though. Unlike, you know, many of those oh, other places. No, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely is um, a modern city. I mean, they have like Starbucks and things like that, but 
in Mission of the Redeemer, the encyclical that we study and read during our formation, Pope John Paul II talks about how the new evangelization is in large Asian cities. So the face of missions really is going to be changing a lot. It's not really going through the jungle with a machete to <laughs> aborigine people who have never heard the gospel. It's like people in your backyard who have never heard the gospel. Hmm. It's amazing, though, to me, like how similar your life on mission sounds to like Elise and I's life mm-hmm. on mission, at least in my life on mission. Like I go to work and I'm open about my faith and I walk around the city and I go to church and I wear a cross or wear a scapular and like just present my faith as an integrated part of myself as I'm an integrated part of the city. So it's inspiring like as someone who doesn't think of myself like as a missionary like you know we are too in a way mm-hmm. even though it's a different different life definitely so. yeah, absolutely yeah so you were um you were talking about your work with college students you said you also tend to the poor correct how what does that look like um Well, in our post currently, we are not really working with the poor. It's a lot more, um, they're really, there's not really any like homeless people. Um, but it's very, we've talked about as a team, it would almost be easier if we are with people who are materially poor, because that is something tangible. You can give someone a meal, you can give them a blanket we're dealing with a lot of spiritual poverty and the desolation that is here. Um, it can be very disheartening because it's just a lot more complicated. You're entering into the mess of someone's life and journeying with them. And it takes a lot longer because you have to build trust and you have to express vulnerability. Um, and so that's why building really, it's all just relational building relationships. So it's not so much that, we built a church or we painted this building. It's, you know, I became friends with this person and loved them where they were. And I journeyed with them. Um, so, yes. That's really beautiful. And do you have any, as someone who's been doing this now for a little while, for Elise and I, or for our listeners who might be thinking about living missionally in our, you know, everyday American lives, what would you say Oh, I'm so clogged up and sorry. Oh, no. <clears throat> sorry, Regan. It's okay. <laughs> what would you say are the most important things to keep in mind as we build these relationships and journey with people? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> the most important things to keep in mind? Um, hmm. I think just being real and being honest Mm -hmm. with people and saying, I am not perfect. I am striving for holiness Um, and just to be vulnerable with people because that's how trust is built. You have to put yourself out there and it might mean that the other person doesn't respond or they don't share with you. and just keeping it also, uh, keeping it centered on Christ and staying s- close to the source. Um, I, <laughs> of all things, I am not super comfortable with evangelization. I am not 
extremely comfortable with, you know, I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not somebody who's going to go out on a street corner and be like, Jesus saved. Like, this is amazing. Like, you don't like but, hand out crosses to people on the street corner or like, you know. <laughs> no, we don't do that here. But some people on my team, they very much are. They're like, they're not going to beat around the bush. They want to, they'll meet you and they'll say, Hey, you know, have you heard about Jesus? And I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> so for anybody out there that's listening, don't feel you know, like that might just not be your gift. And, you know, I think it's St. Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's so many different things. You might be a good listener or you might be a healer or you might speak in tongues or things like that. And I feel for me personally, everybody has to discern what the Holy Spirit has given them. But I enjoy the slow process and journeying with somebody, even if it takes a very long time to be vulnerable and to have shared experiences and to say, you know, this is what Christ did in my life. And I want that for your life as well. You know, I was in a pit of despair and he saved me. I was not deserving of his mercy, of his mercy, but I can share my story with people in that way. Um, and just talk about the real way that Christ worked in my life. And I often say, or at least think, you know, that this has to be real. Why would I leave my job, my family, my life, my country to move halfway around the world for something that was not real, for something that was not true? And that is something that I very much cling to, you know, forsaking everything for Christ um, and clinging to that and like knowing that he has called me to this life. Mm. I love the way you frame that because it makes it so applicable to us um, who are, or everyone around the world, um, that missionary life is not about coming into someone's life and like, I don't know, imposing something on them or being the mm-hmm. savior of their lives, but it's about mm-hmm. journeying with them and being vulnerable and sharing your own life with them and our lives as humans, like all of our lives, um, you know, are broken in some way and mm-hmm. we're not you know, as missionaries, we're not here to like, I don't know, be perfect. Um, like, I don't know, I'm perfect. I know, but you're pretty close. (laughs) I'm just like basically perfect. Um, but yeah, I love the way that you frame that. Being on missionary mission is about journeying with other people and sharing our lives through vulnerability Mm -hmm. with others. So we can, you talked about that like radical yes that you've said to God's will in your life. And what does it mean to you right now to be like saying yes on a daily basis again and again to being on mission, to being in Taiwan and meeting people where they are? What is that? What kind of role does that play in your spiritual life right now? Mm -hmm. Um, hmm. I think recently within like the last week or so I've just been bringing to prayer um the idea of like moving slowly and knowing that I had these mental expectations for where I would be or where the mission would be and um this sort of like instant gratification and to know it's like okay that things move slowly and to like be in the here and now and focusing a lot on exodus 16 and when 
God gives the people their daily bread. It's just enough. It's exactly what they need. It's not too much. It's not, you know, less than what they need. Um, and focusing on God gives us the grace, the, our portion of grace to get through the day. And I think I often create um, false responsibilities for myself or I consume all these worries and anxieties. You know, I'll start thinking about all these emails I need to send and, oh, I need to get back to that person. I need to write this person a letter and I need to do my Chinese homework and I need to talk to this person. As I'm running around <laughs> mentally in my brain. Yeah. I'm just exhausted. Um, and so also from first Peter five, seven, when he's like, you know, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you and to know like nothing is outside of God's control. Like he has a perfect plan for my life and your life and to live in the here and in the now. And just to go back to that, be like, you know what? He gave them for 40 years the perfect amount of bread that they needed for the day. And if they took too much, you know, it became disgusting and like moldy. But um, to know that, you know, if we go, if we continue to make Christ a priority, if we take, if we make prayer and the sacraments a priority, everything else will fall into place. And I think that's also my issue is that I'm like, Oh, I got to get this done. Blah, 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 and then I'll do my prayer time later. Or like, I'll do it later in the afternoon. It's like, no, like we have to put Christ first if anything else is going to make sense and if anything else is going to fall into place. Mm, I love that, Regan. I um, was lucky enough to get together with some ladies this past week who um, are all doing the Blessed Is She on the mm. Way study. And nice. in our conversation, I realized that my priorities for the last for the, since the beginning of the year, I think for a while it had been like really off. Like I had just mm -hmm. been so wrapped up in work and getting things done. Like you said, especially mentally, I love the image mm -hmm. that you gave of like, I'm running around in my head, like crazy, like on a day to day <laughs> basis. I think most of us are like sitting at a desk or a computer doing, mm -hmm. or even if you're a mom, you know, you're like in one place, you're not necessarily yeah. always, I don't know, maybe you are, but <laughs> running uh, running around but um just that image of like running around in your head <laughs> and just being yeah. really um and such a self-focused yeah just way. being so self-focused and like mm -hmm. not concentrated on the source right and I realized mm -hmm. this week like oh I really need to make my prayer life and God like a priority and it seems mm -hmm. like such a basic thing um yeah. but it was really nice to hear you say that because I can um I can relate that, yeah. yeah, no matter where you are in your life, like, it's it's sometimes a struggle to mm -hmm. realize that, oh, yeah, like, I can't do anything without Christ. <laughs> he is my mm -hmm. source, and unless I go to him and make him a priority and time with him a priority, nothing else is really going to work <laughs> in my life. Yeah, exactly. I know. I even journaled about that. I was saying, how is it that in my life, which is totally different from what it was a year ago. It's like saturated in prayer in comparison. Some days it's like an hour of community prayer, an hour of personal prayer, mass, whatever else we have going on. But um, sometimes I'm like, how is it that even in a life saturated with prayer, I'm still distracted and I feel I cannot hear the voice of God. It's because mm -hmm. 
I am going over my thousand mental lists that I have mm. of re rewriting lists physically. I'm like, how many times do I have to write a note to call my mom? Like, <laughs> like it's just like, I will do it eventually. But, um, it's just, you know, for anybody that's listening to just like take, you know, hope in the fact that it's like everybody I think feels this way, you know, we feel mm. distracted and we feel pulled in so many different directions, but I promise you, if you do make it a, a priority, it will, you will bring order to your life. I know right. my life. So. Yeah. And I, and I fall under the lie that like, well, if I get one more thing done before prayer, mm-hmm. or like get all this I'll be able to done, focus I'll be able to focus better or like all these things are just as important or, and then I realized like, oh, I'm actually le- being less prote- productive than yes. if I just took that hour or half hour for adoration. And then exactly. went and did stuff later. Like this week, I was so stressed out, and I, um, I did. I like, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go to adoration. And before that, I had so much work to do, and I was like, it was like nine o'clock at night, and I was like, I, there's just no way I'm gonna be able to get all the d- work done that I need to get done this today tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm just, I'm just gonna go to adoration, whatever. And I prayed for 20, maybe 20 minutes. And I felt so much more peaceful and mm-hmm. so much more calm, and I was able to just go home and, and I had the grace to do work. Like I was able to surprisingly get everything done. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I had by prioritizing Christ and prayer, I was able to have the energy and grace to get done what I needed to. That is great. And I think that's such a modern curse. Like we live in busy, we live busy lives. We have so much going on all the time. There's like constant external stimuli we don't have the, like, that turn-off switch doesn't exist for most of us. So I think that's mm-hmm. such a huge part is if we're able to really turn off when we enter into prayer, it'll be so much more fruitful. Mm-hmm. I know that's my, like, number one struggle. Oh, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, Regan, like, when you talk about living in the now and turning off and entering into prayer and entering into that listening mode listening for the voice of God how do you do that and like practically for you what does that look like right now like what practices do you have in place to be able to do that um going to adoration is huge for me um being able to sit in silence is delectable so (laughs) yummy I can get enough of it and um, we do live in a very busy world, and there's a lot of distractions. And you know, Satan is going to do whatever he can to keep you from focusing on Christ. But um, adoration for me, I often feel the first 20 minutes are like ah, my head, you know, emptying my head of all of the craziness, all of the things I'm preoccupied with, um, and just to speak to Christ to just be before him in the Eucharist Um, and just to lay it all out, you know, just to, you know, sometimes it just means sitting there and not saying anything. You know, it's like, I just rest in him. Sometimes I fall asleep. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I just fall asleep (laughs) in chapel. And um, also reading the Bible has been huge. One of our commitments for um, FMC is to read scripture daily 
And I ask myself, how was I not doing this before? Like, this is the word of God. And I often feel God does speak to me through scriptures, like, you know, give me a verse or something like that. And it really speaks to often to whatever I'm going through in the moment. Um, so I just definitely encourage if you don't read the Bible, I would suggest maybe I often still do Bible roulette. I'm going to be honest. Um, I haven't, you know, started going from front to back yet. Um, but I think just in discerning God, it's just, first of all, being consistent with your prayer. I'm not saying it has to be the same time every day, but being consistent and pursuing the relationship because it is a relationship with God. Um, and just to show up, to be there continually. Um, and I think in the silence is where we truly do find answers. I think people, um, I was actually talking about, we did a retreat the second week we were here in Taipei, which is a whole other story. But one girl asked me, how do you discern the voice of God? And it's very, I just feel like, oh, I don't know. It's a mystery, but I would say being consistent in prayer and finding the silence, you know, the silence of adoration, the silence of a chapel, um, and to be someplace where it is reverent, you know, sometimes I do prayer at my house. I'm like, it's just not the same when I'm reading the Bible on my couch or I'm trying to pray rosary as I fall asleep. Um, so to be aware of that, um, I think just, if you open yourself up to the Lord, he is just waiting. He's just waiting for you to pour himself into you. But because we have free will, you have to go willingly. He's not going to force his grace upon you. Mm, I love that, Regan. Um, what's the most challenging aspect about missionary life? Ooh, um, I think for me, we have 12 charisms in um, family missions company and something that I really struggle with is gospel poverty. Um, so we strive to live on kind of like as little money as possible a month, you know, obviously for like food and rent and transportation, things like that. Um, but for me, woo, I struggle with radical poverty. It is not easy. You know, it's like, <laughs> I see it's like, you know, Christ says in the Bible, like, don't bring anything extra. Like, don't bring any change of clothes. Like, it'll be provided for. And I think for me that it lies in trust issues really is the problem. You know, it's like I don't trust that he's going to provide for me or, um, you know, I struggle with materialism as well. You know, it's like I, I want to look cute. You know, I want to have cute clothes. But um, that has been a struggle for me in living this life. But I feel like it's a, it's a process. You can't just go from zero to 60. You can't just like throw away all your clothes and give them all away. I felt for a long time that I was like slowly purging myself of things like what is a need versus what is a want. Um, and being a good steward of, we raise all of our money from mission partners and benefactors. So to be a good steward of that. Um, but like I said, it's like all this back and forth. You are trying to live life and it is trying to be sustainable in the long run. So if you want to buy a new shirt because you need a new shirt, go and buy a new shirt. You know, it's not like you have to wear rags around. Hmm. But I love that being um, Bridget and I over Lent, we tried to focus on not buying anything that we didn't that need. We didn't need. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And really trying to make that distinction between needs and wants. And then mm -hmm. I maybe still need to get way better at it, but 
I think I you do. and me both <laughs> um, <laughs> struggling. But I think that's something that we can all apply to our lives, though, it is mm-hmm. um, living in accompaniment with the world, mm-hmm. um, realizing that there are people who are in poverty, mm-hmm. and yes. as Christians, we're called to accompany them during this mm-hmm. life, and although that might not mean that I have direct access to them all the time. Right now, I, I, you know, on my daily commute, I don't have daily life. I I don't run into homeless people or I don't have, you know, Mm, but I can recognize that, um, okay, I really want to buy this new shirt. Okay. Do I really need that? Or this new dress? Mm -hmm. Like, or can I donate that money to my church Mm -hmm. or can I, you know, in, instead of getting that coffee, can I, um, make a pot at home? Yeah. Make a pot at home and, and just live more simply, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. The more I work on that though, the more I feel like I'm allowed, quote unquote, like allowed to like, Oh, it's Sephora semi-annual sale. Like I (laughs) I want some skincare stuff. Like, so for me, I get in this trap of trade-offs where I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. I haven't bought new clothes. Yeah. And X, Y, Z amount of time, I can mm-hmm. definitely buy some new makeup. Mm-hmm. Well, not even makeup. I didn't even buy makeup. I just bought – I did do it, but I bought a bunch of skincare stuff because nice. I'm a skincare addict. But <laughs> We both are. Yeah, I, I spent way too much money on a face mask the other day. I was like, oh, my gosh. Anyway. you got to find what works for you, Elise. you got to find what works for you. But, yeah, Regan, I totally – I love that idea that we can all apply to our lives. It's just living in solidarity with um, the Christians all over the world by trying to live simply. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we really are asked. We are, like, straight up told to do that. So Mm -hmm. it's something that I definitely need to get better Mm -hmm. at, too. And then what brings you the most joy in your life as a missionary? I think, um, I mean, it is difficult living life over here. You know, there's many challenges and it's not easy, even though it sounds like life is simple, like, you know, getting coffee or life is just more difficult in, in a foreign country. Um, but what brings me the most joy, I think, is that I know that God called me to this and he has fulfilled so many desires of my heart that I just thought, you know, I had just brushed them aside and I'm so content and I am so satisfied with my life here. I'm genuinely happy. I laugh like so much every day. My team is amazing and it's just wonderful. Like living this life, you know, it's, I am surrounded by people who are ardently seeking Christ. They, they openly talk about wanting sainthood wow. and bringing other people to Christ. You know, it's like, I get to share my testimony, which is beautiful. I get to share the ways that he worked in my life and continues to work in my life. And it's so beautiful, you know, drawing close to him and saying, like, you know, what do you have in store for me? And or, or what do you what are you asking of me? And and I will I will follow you to the ends of the earth because everything that I tried to do for myself, trying to grasp at things, trying to make my own way, make my own future, you know, I spent so much time trying to figure out what would make me happy 
And in the end, when I surrendered everything to him, I found what I was looking for. I am happy. I am content. I am satisfied. And it doesn't make sense in the eyes of the world because I'm living on $300 a month and I'm speaking Chinese and I left all of my family behind, um, you know, to ride buses and go to public markets at 6 a.m. But (laughs) this life is so beautiful. And um, just knowing that God's will, like he only has good plans for our lives. And I had these very small plans for myself. And when I just surrendered them to him, he just blew them up, like totally blew it radically out of the water. Um, And so I think it's just, just knowing of following God's will and pursuing it, it brings me true joy. That's so beautiful. I'm like tearing up over here. That is so beautiful. I'm so happy for you, too. It makes me so happy that you are content and peaceful. And, um, yeah, I love it. So, Regan, we always ask one question at the end of every interview. (laughs) And it is, who is your spiritual hero right now? Do you have a patron saint? Do you have someone in your life who inspires you? Is there you know, a historical person, you know, whoever it is that right now has been influencing your spiritual life the most. Who is it and why? Tell us about it. (laughs) Um, Well, okay, I I have two. I hope that's okay. Yeah, go for it. it. So St. Therese of Lisieux is my patroness, and I definitely feel like she chose me and in the process of discerning missions, she would like pop up and be like, patron saint of missions, patron saint of foreign missions. And I'm like, how did I not know this? This is so bizarre. And I feel like she's been interceding for me continually. However, at the moment, um, I really love Mary Magdalene. I feel hmm. so drawn to her um, and just the beauty of her story and Um, personally, I've been trying to move a lot more into understanding chastity and purity and modesty and how they're all interlinked and interconnected. Um, and I just love, I love the story of Mary Magdalene and how like no one is beyond the grace of God. Like it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. You know, if you're like on death row or whatever you've done, no one is beyond the grace of God. Um, and I think it's totally exemplified in the story of Mary Magdalene. And I just like love it too, you know, praying to her for like purity and chastity um, and a greater understanding of what those things are in my own life as virtues. Mm, I love it, Regan. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, <laughs> not really. I okay, don't really great. have anything except that if you, I would just say this. I, sadly, did not know that being a missionary was a lifestyle. I thought it was something that would only be temporary, like two years of service, and then there's like a cap on it. The beautiful thing about Family Missions Company, which works really well in my life, is that it's very, very open-ended. Some people have been doing it for 10 years. Some people do it for five. Some people only do it for a year and a half. But just to know that this is a way of life. It's not just something that's like, oh, this was just a two-year thing and then it ended. Um, it's not an it activity. Becomes... It's a lifestyle. Exactly, exactly. It's not just like, oh, this 
it's um it's not like a program that you do mm. and it's like the same every year they have the same structure or things like that because you're just basically living life and you structure your life with the guidelines that FMC gives you you know in regards to prayer and community and team obligations and things like that this there are catholic missionaries and it is a lifestyle. It's very open-ended, you know, and I definitely feel like it's a vocation and I feel very much that I have a missionary vocation. I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life. So if anybody feels called to foreign missions, please discern it. You know, we always need missionaries. Um, and it's, I just don't think it's ever what it's going to be. You know, I followed because this is what Chris was asking me, but then I get there and they're like, we're into evangelization. And I'm like, what? Stand on a street corner and do this. But, you know, God has a plan for each of our lives and He intentionally calls each one of us and, like, He knows what will be asked of us and um, what He will ask of us. So, I think that's the only thing that I want to talk about. Thanks, Regan. Thank you so much. This was such a joy to get to talk to you and hear about your journey in Taiwan. And we will keep you and your team in our prayers. Yes, we ask that you keep all of us in your prayers as well. I will, for sure. Thanks, Regan. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.